This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. All right, so real quick, I want to thank a few people for making this evening possible. First and foremost, the Buckhead Club, Samantha. What's your new last name? Spittler. Samantha Spittler, who is kind of like, what's that American Pie last name? Stifler. Thank you. You're Stifler now. I love it. I love it. So Samantha is the director of membership for the Buckhead Club, enables all these things. Would you like to say anything? Would you like to say anything? She's also very shy and hates speaking in front of people, but she's the one that has empowered everything to happen here at the Buckhead Club. We appreciate everything that she does to support what we're doing with the Veteran Club within the club. She's also the daughter of a Vietnam vet, so we have to appreciate how much she cares as a daughter of a veteran to make sure we're here and able to further everything that's happening this evening. So thank you for the Buckhead Club and everything that's happening here. Big shout out. If you have any questions about the club or if you've never been, who's never been to the Buckhead Club before? Two, three. So she'll be here for a little while. If y'all have any questions about the Bucket Club, everything that they're doing here to support us, definitely talk to her. I'm on the membership committee, so she pays me to say that. <laughs> My jokes are hitting today. I love it. I love it. Do we want to move forward? Like, you're ready. Come on. You can hit that front line. Right? Go back. Yeah, that's Sonia. That's my guest. That's why I had to push her up here. All right. Awesome. So the second person I want to highlight is our guest this evening. And this is a very interesting. I'm going to make sure I don't start your gains catching me. I heard it. So Justin's a very interesting individual where we share a lot of background similarities. And am I echoing or is it just my ears that are ringing? Okay. So see, I, I can still hear things. Which way? Okay. So Justin's an interesting individual where we had a cross background, a little bit kind of overlapped. Somewhat. A slight overlap. Yeah. When you were with Smyrna. I was a police officer in Smyrna. I think it's your dang game. You bragged about it. So I was a police officer in Smyrna. You were a police officer in Powder Springs at that point. Left there, went to Kennesaw, and then started along a journey of entrepreneurship, which is why you're here today. We're going to dive into that conversation a little bit more. One thing I have to give him a shout out for is obviously he has these amazing portraits right behind. If everybody will turn their attention to the table over here. We have these amazing, but beyond that, back at the beginning of August, I hosted a three-day business summit and you volunteered your time to be a part of everything. There was a fundraiser for ATL Vets that is powering everything that you see before you, but you came with your whole setup, did some headshots, made Taylor look like a Tyler and Photoshop. The jokes are hitting. I love it. But you took some really great photos. Yes. Yes. And I want to say thank you for letting me be a part of that. And I literally brought all of my gear, all of my mobile setup, and we literally did free portraits for any veterans that were there that wanted them. And and people were not veterans, they could make a donation to your cause. And that's the piece we're going to get to. But before we get that far down the journey of entrepreneurship, I'm attached to what he's doing now, because you've had several things that you've worked on over the years, several businesses you've gone And that's the piece that I love about this room. Who else here is an entrepreneur, business owner? And the plight of how much this sucks at times, right? So there's a piece of this can be really difficult and it really takes a community, 
right? Being a veteran takes a community. Being a veteran supporter takes a community, right? You've served on the front line. I would say policing is probably worse than most military careers. Nah, man, no. Y'all, it was pretty bad. Y'all had it worse. <laughs> so there's a piece of, I was shot at probably just as much at, in Atlanta as I was in Afghanistan. There, there's a piece, and I, and I want to appreciation because there are uns I would say, disabilities. You're not disabled per se, but there's a piece of, I have nerve damage in my arm. If you, I didn't tell you, you'd never know. You were actually medically retired from law enforcement. Correct. Yes. You gave just as much as any veteran in the room. And I want to highlight that because what a lot of people don't recognize is well, I, this 9-11 remembrance event, right? We're right about September 11th. It was really big on frontline supporters of everybody from hose draggers to terrible hey, wine drinkers. Yeah. Hey, know. guys in the back. Oh, yellow. Oh, please. Damn wine drinkers. <laughs> Thank you. If they were bourbon drinkers, we'd let them stay. Yeah, exactly. But 9-11 really impacted frontline leaders from hose draggers, as I yes. make my joke. Any other cops in the room? Come on. A joke about hose draggers? Come on. A little yeah. No. That one joke. The best joke of the night. Police officers are there to make sure the scenes are safe for the brave firemen and women to arrive right. on scene. The, so. the second responders. Yes. The right. second responders. The second responders. That's how it works, right? But... A lot of people overlook how much of an impact this week made and how much we actually give as first responders where you were injured in the line of duty and had some different things. I don't want to dive too far into it if you don't want to, but I want to at least highlight and appreciate you for that because a lot of us aren't recognized as in law enforcement as how much we actually give in the same capacity that veterans give. So thank you for that service of the first responders and the local folks. Let's give a round of applause for that piece. And then we're so glad to be in the fresh air of not being cops anymore. That's right. The air smells better out here, right? It's so much better. And veterans, right? The military is just as bad. I, I would love to kind of highlight that piece first. You started your journey there. You wanted to give. You wanted to serve the local community. What drove you to that service? Great question. In 2008, I interned with the Marietta Police Department while I was with Kennesaw State and graduated in 2009. And during my internship with Marietta, dude, like, that was like having a front row ticket to the best show on earth, man. I was like, I got to do this with my life. So I eventually got on board with the city of Powder Springs in 2012, June 28th to be exact, and started my career then. And after about six and a half years-ish, I uh, went to Kennesaw, the city of Kennesaw, to pursue a career as a police officer there. And about maybe three months later, I got involved in a minor little accident. It was almost a head-on collision, but it's just the impact kind of jarred my back. And, you know, the back injury, I guess, soon was there and um, eventually was on light duty for maybe almost a year. And I was like, yeah, we got to call it quits and tried to figure out life from then on out. And, and that's a hard part because we talk about as veterans, the transition of the uniform, right? How do we find new purpose and passion? after the uniform and law enforcement is very similar. I did everything backwards. I was a police officer first and then went into the army as a cop had a knee replacement. I had all sorts of other issues from fights on duty. People don't think about that. Right. Then I joined the army and it became a different level of service. And I got in, right. This is like a commonplace thing that it's hard to overcome. But then when you get injured, it's like, okay, we're done with you. Right. It's hard to, maintain that level of support and community once you're out of it. 
And that's something I recognize. I don't know if you ever struggled with that piece. So I guess the one thing that I struggled in when I was trying to figure out what to do is, you know, at my pace, because of my injury, which, you know, was not that drastic compared to the other injuries that men and women. You see how humble people are? Like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Brayson couldn't move for six months. It wasn't that bad. But no, I've got some sciatica nerve damage and all that stuff. But minor, minor nerve damage, guys. Like, no big deal. Well, so I started, I made a decision. I was like, how can I work at my own pace and kind of go by my own rules and try to figure out this next chapter and work for myself because I got limitations now. So I slowly did my thing and I first started out trying to do video and photo work and video equipment is heavy and there's a lot of it. I can't do I noticed, that. I noticed you know, a lot of sound if, equipment. And audience, video. if you're watching it like at home, right. like you can't see all the stuff that Zach's brought. I normally have a videographer because this is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It takes a team. It really does. And so after a while, I was like, this ain't working out. So I actually incorporated drone work into my work. And I just decided to do aerial photo and video because it was just less equipment to bring around. But the main challenge, I guess, networking in the business arena I'm used to being a police officer in that circumstance and those environments, not the business environments. All right. A little bit different type of battlefield, right? Yeah. So I would go to these events and I'm trying to feel out like, how can I fit in here? What should I say? How should I conduct myself? I'm not wearing a uniform right now. So that's a little bit different. So it was a slow transition, but after about a year, I kind of got comfortable with it. I would say. So that was the biggest challenge for me to, to learn how to talk in the business networking field. How many people, how many veterans? I know we have a lot of veterans in the room. How many veterans do we have in the room? How many of y'all, Jason Smith, you better raise your damn hand. Even though you're Air Force, you barely count, right? But I know you're a veteran. How many veterans in the room understand what he just said about, I don't know how the heck to talk in this room, right? How about non-veterans? And I love this comparison matrix, right? How many non-veterans... I've had that same struggle. I don't know how to talk in this room, right? I don't know how to fit in. And the beauty is veterans isolate ourselves. First responders definitely isolate ourselves, right? Away from we're not normal. And then you start having conversations like this and realize every non-veteran, every non-first responder has the exact same struggle. But we're too busy isolating ourselves. Did you ever struggle? I know I did. Did you ever struggle with that piece of like, withdrawing from society a little bit? So at first, yes. The summer of 2020 was probably the most difficult part of my whole injury. COVID, any issues? I'm staying my ass home anyways, just (laughs) laying in bed all day. And no, because I didn't want to do anything. I guess I was isolated in that that window of time. And yeah, that was the only portion of time that I really kind of separated myself to figure out what I was going to do next. And at some point, and I know we've crossed paths there post-29, and I know it's a weird thing for the young folks in the room, but there's these places that you show up to and hear war stories from the old folks, right? VFWs, American Legions. They always want the young bucks in the room so they can tell, our war, tell war stories. But you got tied into this community of entrepreneurs. I used to visit with them for Fireball Friday, four o'clock every Friday, Fireball we're, Friday. We're going to bring something back soon. I promise you. Fireball Friday? Where's Samantha? Do we have Fireball? <laughs> you notice how she left real quick, right? But there's a piece of you fell into this world of different entrepreneurs, but there are a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of folks that I'm familiar with, Marietta Business Association, East Cobb, Kennesaw, all these business associations. 
And then there's this core group that would meet at the Legion and you fell in with this crew. How'd you find them? Yeah. So I'll share that story briefly. Networking with uh, a few associations in the Cobb County area. I was invited to the American Legion Post 29 and it's a veterans group and veterans helping out veterans and also the community. And I was invited and it was like a little lounge area and it was like a whole bunch of older people. And like, I was like, what is this place? I've never been here before. This is kind of cool, but kind of odd and different. And I started coming and hanging out and getting to know their stories and slowly volunteering for their events, their 5Ks, their breakfasts that they have once a month, all the little events providing photography because you know they didn't have that service at all. And probably didn't even know how to use a camera. No, they don't. I mean, yeah, it's Joking aside, like these are the Vietnam era. My dad's a Vietnam vet, right? These are the Vietnam, Vietnam era guys that don't know how to use anything but a flip phone. Right. They, they were worried about me running out of film. You laugh at that, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> so started volunteering and I was like, man, I really see a purpose here. There's got to be a way that I can kind of fit in somewhere. And slowly but surely, I kind of got sucked in. I drank the Kool-Aid and that's how it all started. And slowly became a little bit more familiar with camera work and a, a new passion for providing portraits and photos for those who have served. And I have to ask, because there's always a funny story about the American Legion. Who's been to an American Legion? Okay. So I, I want to share the first story of when I took her to Post 29. I got invited back. There's a retired general, Blackstock, who was a leader in Post 29. I connected with him via business stuff. And he invited me to Post 29. He's like, oh, I'll go up there every Friday. I'm like, wait, is Fireball Friday still happening? He's like, yeah, let's go. I'm like, okay. So I bring her up there. He brings his wife. And I, I sit for 10 minutes in the car. This is what's about to happen. You're going to go to the bar. You're a beautiful young woman. If y'all don't know, hang on real quick. Let me preface. This is Taylor. She's my better three quarters. I'm not just randomly pointing at a hot blonde in the room. She's my better three quarters. I didn't abduct her and kidnap her and go to post 29. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but for 10 minutes, we sit in the parking lot of American Legion. And I'm like, hey, this is what's about to happen. You're going to be the youngest in the room. You're probably going to be the most attractive in the room because you're the youngest. She just turned dirty 30 last weekend, right? So she's like, congratulations. I survived. Do not clap for her. Clap for me. That was a dangerous weekend. My jokes are hitting today. I love it. But we sit for 10 minutes talking about this is what's about to happen. And I swear to you, she walks up to the bar. I walk in and I know that same group. I hadn't seen in a couple of years pre-COVID. I walk in, everybody, oh, Zach, come over, say hey. I start saying hey to all these people. She walks to the bar. I'm like, remember what I told you. She walks up to the bar, gets a couple drinks, and this elderly gentleman that's sitting in the bar looks over. He's like, oh, how are you doing? Mind you, his wife is to his left. Three hours later, not joking, she's still having that same conversation with that same guy. And come to find out, you probably know him, right? Like he's the same guy. He has a spot in Panama City that he invited her to. Like that's the beauty of the American Legion. Tell me I'm a lie. Exactly how it happened. That sounds like a great time. I did not pay for a single drink all <laughs> night. It was great. And she's a tank. It was great. So if you've not been to American Legion, the Legion can be fun. They're all the same. Yeah. Exactly like that. 
especially if you're pretty blonde. So the three blondes in the room, go have some fun. You know, heard it. Okay, <laughs> I love the sass. Throw a little snap. Be like everybody, careful, careful. There's so many jokes, and we just met, so don't set me up like that. But as you, <laughs> we we're joking too much. As you found this crew, and you found a pack portraits for veterans, and and you do phenomenal work, right? There's a level of creativity and eye you have to have to cap. I like to think I look kind of like Ryan Reynolds. Some would call me Brian Reynolds. Why is that a joke? Why are people laughing at that? Some would say I look like Brian Reynolds, a, a closely removed brother of Brian Reynolds. You do a really good job of capturing people. You did a great job with everything you did at the summit. How do you develop that eye and, and the passion that you didn't apply to portraits like this? All right. So a little bit of research, but I do have to thank a, a friend of mine. And I actually paid a friend to teach me off-camera lighting. I was never really a off-camera lighting portrait headshot photographer. It really didn't fancy my interest. But after meeting the Legion and the crew and I guess acquiring this new passion for providing for first responders and veterans, I was like, man, I really got to learn this. So I paid a friend, his name's Jared. And we had a three-hour session of how to learn off-camera lighting. I bought four lights. I got the backdrop. I got everything. And just for this project. And that's how I became to learn a little bit more about off-camera and portrait photos. And then you've turned it into your now company. Yes. So that this was a passion project on the side. And it started gaining a lot of attention with friends, family, online. And I quickly turned it into an LLC. And I'm not looking back. And that's a big piece I, I love highlighting because one of the things that my nonprofit, ATL Vets, it, it powers everything you see. If you see me, it's because the 501c, no different than the three-day business summit, that's right behind me. And ATL Vets is Advancing the Line for Veterans, where we focus on furthering veteran endeavors, mostly focused on entrepreneurship. And we have four pillars. The very first pillar is marketing. And there's a piece of this that veterans don't get. How many veterans in the room are comfortable in front of the camera? Well, you're pretty. Put your hand down. How many initially put, keep your hand down? How many were right off the bat comfortable in front of the camera talking about yourself? How many non-veterans are comfortable talking about yourself, bragging on yourself? I know you are, but you're different, <laughs> right? It's something that is very uncomfortable for a lot of us. And having your picture taken, I hate it. I hate it. Having headshots taken, I hate it. It's a big piece where in this space, it's very uncomfortable for us to get to that level. But when I saw you at the summit, you had a little bit of a gift attached to making people feel comfortable enough to stand there, pose, look pretty. And then you captured that beauty. There's a charm there. Yeah. And it's and so if you look at that picture to my right, your left, most likely, uh, that guy's name is Roy and he's a Vietnam vet. And I started and, and Jared taught me this. I had the uh, camera on a tripod and my face is like right next to the lens. So he's looking at me. We're having a conversation and I, I was trained to really have a conversation and min moment and then try to capture an image as, you know, during that moment. And I started talking about his family and just part of like the friendships that he had and, and the war and, and all that. And then all of a sudden I, I asked a question and his eyes lit up. And he made that face. And I, I just hit the shutter button. Done. Because it's hard to get an expression like that off a Vietnam veteran. It really is. They don't smile much. No, they don't. No. 
But no, that's the trick is to get people comfortable in the front of the camera. So as you've grown into entrepreneurship, you had the transition out of the uniform into finding your new purpose and passion. It's a big thing for a lot of us. If you had like a, a tidbit to throw out to somebody listening, what would you say would be the key to pushing past those limiting beliefs, self-doubt? I don't know what the hell I want to do with my life. How did you push past? What would you recommend somebody push past with? I would highly recommend reaching out to friends and family one-to-one and having like a heart-to-heart conversation and talking about your worries, your excitement, and getting feedback there. Wait, wait, wait. Share your feelings? Share your feelings. Share your feelings, guys. You're too pretty not to have feelings. Stop it. No. Share your feelings. That's one of my guests, too. I know. I had to talk shit because he's like <laughs> just sitting there looking glamorous. So, and also, try as many things as possible when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. I've done a lot of few things. Like I've done a lot since law enforcement. And uh, we're still doing a few of those things. But this is what I'm passionate about. And I do it part-time. And I put a lot of energy into it. So as they have these conversations and they start formulating an idea, did you ever hit a a level of self-doubt into pushing uh, our local heroes, the company, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't highlighted that, but let's highlight that piece. The name of the company is Our Local Heroes because he highlights local heroes, right? As you put yourself out there in that capacity, did you ever have another piece of oh shit moment as you push yourself out there like that? Man, I thought I was not going to get the positive feedback that I got only because first responders, they do not like their photos taken very much at all. They hate photo day. It's like pulling teeth, man. But you know what? It's really not about them. It's really not about Roy. It's about their family and loved ones because that photo right there, that will be the last professional portrait that Roy will ever have of himself. And one day he won't be here. But what will, that photo will be at his memorial. That's pretty damn deep right there, right? I didn't expect you to go that deep with it. That was good. One thing I ask on every one of my formal podcasts is talking about legacy. And there's a piece of legacy you just hit on. That hits so close to home for me. You're literally helping capture a legacy of somebody that might not have... And you just mentioned that's going to be there at his passing. How does that make you feel knowing you're capturing... I want to share a story that more of a missed opportunity where I didn't capture. So I started working on this project a year and a half ago. Earlier this year, I met a gentleman at one of the American Legion's breakfasts. It was early in the year, quarter one. And I walk around and this is during breakfast and it's like a couple hours, whatever. It's a fundraiser event. And I see this really old looking dude in a wheelchair. And then I notice his hat. It had WWII. Holy shit. That's a World War II veteran. Really old dude. A really old dude. Really old dude. And I already had this emotion. I have like a whole bunch of pages of notes already. I'm almost ready to execute and start building this thing, right? And I go up to his family and say, hey, World War II veteran, I assume, what's his name? His name's Earl. All right. And I meet the family and and I was like, I want to take his photo. I'm about to start this project. All these things. Let me get your phone number. I want your information. Because if I ever have one person's information, I'm probably not going to get a hold of everybody. If I have like three or four, you know, odds or higher, right? Well, about a month ago, I, I officially started this. Maybe a, a month and a half ago, I officially started this project. 
I do my first test run. And in August, it was the American Legion allows me to have studio time a few days out of the month. And man, I'm, I'm rocking and rolling. I'm like, yes. So everything's good. And man, two weeks ago, I get an email, a newsletter from the American Legion Post 29 saying that there was a pass. I'm like, oh, okay. So I read it. It was Earl. I was about two weeks, almost three weeks too late to capture his photo, starting his project. And uh, I was like, damn. So I, I called a couple of family members, got in touch, and I attended his funeral last week. I missed it. And so it really shows the value of what we're doing. Can we get a round of applause for that? Again, he went deep, but I didn't expect you to go deep, man. That's a big piece that I think people forget in entrepreneurship. There's this underlying passion attached to what we do, right? Consistently putting ourselves out here, consistently putting ourselves in front of people, sometimes too late, sometimes too soon, right? There, there's such a balance of hitting it in the perfect timing, whatever the hell that means. I don't know what that means, right? Still trying to figure that out for myself at times. There's a piece attached to it. And just so everybody's tracking, I do want to move into a little bit of Q&A. Anybody has any thoughts, comments, questions, I mean, anything we've talked about with Justin, I, I would love to move into that here in a moment. But my final piece attached to it, obviously, you're helping other people capture their legacy. What's that piece for you? What's it look like if you're passing? What's the legacy you want to leave for everybody? Uh, well, I think there's a lot of people out there that really try to, I guess they're very selfless. They want to try to do as much as possible and just give, give, give. And I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. That's a tough question to answer at this moment. And I'm still trying to figure this project out. So maybe at the next one, I'll be able to figure that out. And I just want to leave a legacy of providing as much as I can to actually contribute to society and you know just make the world a better place, man. I love it. I love it. All right. Q&A time. So this is the piece where we go, oh, Jay Smitty is already ready. I was going to say, can we talk about how much we hate hose draggers? Can that be a question? Nobody cares. Would you mind? My jokes are the best jokes, Jason. They are. Thank you, Tay. She went the other direction. I don't want you to do that. I want you to run the mic for me for the recording. What you got, Jason? Hey, man, it's good to see you again. Thank you for that. Likewise. Wonderful things that you shared there. Real quick, anybody that's read the E-Myth, can you just talk about maybe the challenges, the conflicts of turning a passion into a business? And for those who haven't read the E-Myth, maybe you can speak a little bit about that for those that know. No. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more um, details with that. Yeah, certainly. So again, sometimes it's a challenge when there's something that you really care about. The book I referenced talks about someone who was a baker and just loved baking cookies. And it was great when they were just, you know, baking cookies. That was fun. But then when it became a business, there was a challenge there. You know, they love to do it. But then, you know, it now becomes work. And I don't know if you've been at it long enough to feel that, but maybe you can speak to some of that, the difference between doing this as a hobby and now that it's a business, how that's felt for you. Discipline. I'm not the most disciplined person in the world. So my hobby used to be taking photos all around Atlanta. I turned into a job and I started, I started to stop taking photos for myself. And it's really hard to differentiate sometimes. And my only advice is to try to have your time separately and try to have that separation of business and personal. And if you want to, I guess, add to that, that's my only comment to make about that. Anybody else? Anybody else? It's a hard one, right? That's a hard one to keep that balance and separation. 
is something that I've not done well in the past and has led to detrimental relationships. And something that I've shifted, especially in the personal life, I've recognized I can't do that because she makes me do push-ups. A lot of them. I don't do burpees. I just lay down and cry. See, good jokes, Jason. See, they're funny today, man. But I think that's an interesting piece, right? How do you keep the balance? Is there such thing as a balance? Is it more of an integrated life that we live? She goes on most of the trips I go on. It's a tough one, but it's something that bringing awareness to that point, Jay, is going from hobby to job and business is a tough transition and keeping that passion forward. I think you're doing a really good job attached to it by stuff like this, right? You're attached to a lot of groups and organizations feeding back into that community. I feel like knowing you, you get energized by that more and more and more. And the more you're around groups like this that are showing that support, there is a lot that feeds back into you of like that momentum to keep going. No, 100%. I think staying like forward, going forward, keeping that momentum really helps. I don't know. That's I'm not the best business owner in the world. And it's, it's hard to, to answer that question accurately. And I, again, I do this part-time now. And I think finding something that you're passionate about really helps keep you on track with it for sure. Hey, uh, Philip Holm, just wanted to get your input on making that personal connection, right? When you're talking to them and trying to figure out what's important to them and seeing their face light up. I think for a lot of veterans, making that personal connection, even in our own community, can sometimes be a challenge. So I'd love to you know, hear your take on it and kind of like your methodology for approaching it. All right. Yeah. So the question is trying to get that look, I guess, trying to get that image that I'm going for. Well, first of all, it's really hard to get a veteran in front of a camera. That's my first comment. And really, it's tough. But the conversation between the photographer and the the subject is the most difficult to learn. Learning the camera and all the, the stuff to take the picture and the lighting and stuff, you could easily learn that. It's You could watch YouTube videos, all that I guess the analytical stuff behind it. But I guess asking the right questions and figuring out what works and what doesn't when you ask certain questions. And that photo took about 15 minutes to create because we just had to have some dialogue. I've gotten better since then. And I'd say practice, practice, practice. That's my my best recommendation for anybody trying to do any kind of headshot or portrait work. I only do it for veterans and first responders. Uh, but there's a lot of business folks out there that have the same thing. Like, not everybody's in, comfortable in front of a camera. So you have to guide them, coach them, and and say all the right things and ask all the right things. And that's just learned over time and practice. Hey, Sonia. To touch on that is to describe more of the Legion post 29. It's a place where you can really just let your hair. And whoa, it doesn't whoa, whoa. matter who you are. Hang on. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't have any hair to let down. <laughs> well, it, was a, it was a ball joke. That's all that. <laughs> but anyway, the, the important part is they just South Coast 29. They have a library. They have a food room. They have a focal room. They have the social quarters. They have an upstairs event room. If you took everybody in here, the tab would be 40 bucks. I mean, it's a place where you can really just invite people enjoy so to touch on what you were asking no matter what the method or the reason for you touching that person everybody is like family it's just sit and talk to whoever we go from table to table but if it's dance night hey somebody 90 years old is gonna come and grab me and, <laughs> and i'm a dancer it 
happened to me. So you have to go visit. I invite you out. We have a 5K also coming out, and that's for veterans. And that's in November. So it's so many good things to see. Friday night dances, everything. What she literally, well, your mic is so much better. What she literally said is you can get drunk for cheap. All I heard, 40 bucks for everybody. She's buying. And she's buying. All right. One last thing before we get back into a little bit of networking. Any other questions attached? Uh-oh, Erica's and we're in trouble now. Teacher. Okay, so I guess I'm an educator, right? And I find in doing tutoring work, you know, I want to help everybody, right? But there's like, there has to be a line between I have to charge for my services because I have a lot of years and education and tools and all that experience. But I feel like if you work under that artist's umbrella, that line can get really blurred. And so I'm just curious to know as an artist, working to make this a business as an entrepreneur, how do you find that balance between really wanting to help and give and also sustaining your business? Okay. Well, that's a great question. I have to thank my employer for that. I do this part-time and my full-time job is with law publications. And it doesn't matter what we do there. Just Google it if you got the time. But I provided photos for veterans for absolutely no cost. They get the file and everything. They could have their own prints. I only make money off veterans if they choose to buy prints through me. They have the opportunity to get a canvas print on their own. I can't guarantee you it's going to look like that because I have different vendors and different labs that I use. But I also have contracts with police departments and fire departments, dispatch centers, EMS, sheriff's office. That's where I can make money from. And starting next week, uh, I will be able to provide free portraits for police departments because of the relationships that I've built with law, law publications. Sounds like he turned it pretty well into that piece, right? And I'm going to throw in a, a little bit of... That's a really sh- difficult shift. How do you start charging for something you did for a passion? And it goes kind of back to what Jason asked, right? There's a breaking point for entrepreneurs. I've reached it before. And it was that breaking point of looking at my bank account and saying, oh shit, right? And when you look at your bank account and say, oh shit, that's probably the time you start charging people and saying... <laughs> One of the greatest weaknesses we have in three sectors as first responders, veterans, and entrepreneurs, one of the greatest weaknesses we have is a servant mentality. It's one of our greatest strengths, and it is one of our biggest weaknesses because we give and we give and we give. And then sometimes you forget, number one, because I want to give to you all this stuff. But we forget that selfish is not a bad word. If you truly look up the definition of selfish, it is not being selfless. It is not being greedy. It is not asking for too much. Sometimes you have to remember to fill your own coffer or your own bank account so that you can give more. And that was the hardest shift for me and why I charge what I charge for business coaching, consulting, on the battle side, on the nonprofit side, it's really hard for me to ask for money. Really hard. I did a business summit and sold stuff for a fundraiser. That's a little bit backwards, right? Because it's hard for me to ask for money. I want to give still. But it, we have to recognize at some point, like, I got to ask to. We got to eat. And I'm hungry. Let me tell you, I'm hungry. And it takes a lot to feed 
Amazon warrior queens a lot. Oh, <laughs> I'll do the push-ups later. But it's something to recognize. Like we got to eat, and in order to feed others, you have to feed yourself. When you're on a plane, they don't say go ahead and put on everybody else's oxygen mask first, and then worry about yourself. Good analogy, right? I like that. You put on your oxygen mask first, so then you can save your battle buddy. And your family, your friends, your clients, they will appreciate that and respect that. When you put a boundary on yourself, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm about. This is how I'm going to do things. The level of not only self-respect, but respect for you infinitely increases. When I put Tay time on the calendar, this is something you can ask clients. Five o'clock on Friday, what happens? Tay time. If you call me, I will not answer. I have from 5 to 10 on my calendar, religiously, every Friday night, except for tomorrow night because we're moving. But every Friday night, we're probably at a Mexican restaurant, drinking queso and eating margaritas. Yes, I said that properly. (laughs) I literally schedule it because that is filling our boat because I have effed this up in the past, right? But there's a piece of like, you have to prioritize the important things. And we suck at that as a community in so many ways. This is important right? This is important. What he's doing is important, right? We have to remember that what you're doing is hella important. So treat it as such. And the people around you start respecting you in such a different way. And then they're like, you know what? Every time I say, oh, don't call me after five o'clock on a Friday. Oh, here's my Calendly link. Don't randomly call me. I will not answer. Every one of my clients, oh, I get that. Or if I get a text at 4.30 on a Friday, hey, I know it's about to be Tay time, but I have one really quick question. I kid you not, it happens. People respect it and they appreciate that I appreciate. And that's a scary thing to like step into. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I might offend people. No, it, it, the complete opposite happens. And it's really a magical moment when you see that. Sorry, soapbox complete. Nah, you're like, I'm passionate about that piece. So as we move into, I want to go back to networking. There's still food. I'm hungry. I got to feed the beast. And we all need a refill at this point. There's, <laughs> see, the jokes are on point, Jason. There's a point of supporting everybody I bring in here. And I want to make sure all of us know how to do that. And I told him right before we started up, I'm like, make sure you have an ask. We suck at asking. Make sure you have something to ask. Or how can people follow that next step? What is that next step? How do we follow it? So what's the best way for that next step? And what is that potential ask of the group? So there's probably maybe a hundred different ways you can communicate with somebody. Wouldn't y'all agree? I'm just going to give you one option. That's simple. I know Instagram is popular and you can find my email there and all the stuff. If you search all one word, it's our local heroes. That's it. And heroes is H-E-R-O-E-S, not O-S. Zach. I was in the army. I don't know. Yeah. I, I spoke slow. Did you take that note? <laughs> so when, when we find it, what do we do? What's that next piece? You can message me through there. You can email me through there. You can make comments through there. And yes, if you want to have a conversation, I would love your card so I can reach out to you because that's the level of service that I provide. I love it. I was about to. I saw you wave at me. I was going to give him a round of applause first. Let's give him a round of applause for being up here, y'all. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So I was literally just looking for it. Can you hand me that behind the computer? I was literally just looking for it. And it became a coaster up here. Sorry. I didn't do it though, just for the record. So around the room, we have something Erica has brought forward. Smile and wave, Erica. 
who's with Travis Mannion Foundation. Give her a round of applause for being here. So I will support this, even though I hate running and walking and rucking. I did that, and I hate it. Look around. There, These are all around on the tables, supporting a run to remember 9-11 Heroes run on September 16th at 9-11 a.m. Well played. If you haven't met Erica, she's amazing. She shows up to so many of the events, both ATL Vets and Vetlanta, truly doing a lot with the Travis Manion Foundation. Connect with her. If you feel so inclined, I'll probably walk. But if you want to run, there are some runners in the room. Tay. My Tay friend, Rex. My friend Jeremy. Are you a runner? Well, I wish you would run away right now because I don't No, I'm kidding. Support this. This is what it's all about. This is why I want to build this room to be more as we're here to support the Erica's, the Runs, the Justins, and everything we have going. Can I can I thank my guests for for hanging out and, and visiting? You can thank one of them. Sonia the other one is too pretty. So I want to thank Sonia with American Legion Twenty Nine. I want to uh, also thank Jeremy from Kennesaw PD. Thank you for being out here, and also Zach, man, a networking friend of mine that's come here a few times. Thank you guys for for hanging out, and also it's my friend first, uh, Ian. I knew thank, first. Thanks for hanging out, and thank, and also Jason. I know Jason too, so thank you guys. Awesome. So last thing before we run, ATL Vets, if you need to know more about what we're doing and supporting local folks, definitely hit me up before we go. If you're looking for more business and entrepreneurship, Battle is a big piece of what I'm doing on the business side. I have a few folks in the room that work with me one-on-one. The Battle Biz Summit, I loved it. It was such... I crushed. I had a lot of fun, man. I had so much fun. Like I put together a room of dueling pianos, a workout at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, brunch. I love we had brunch. I love that. I saw the eyes. You missed it. I don't know why you missed it, but we had such an amazing time. I extended it into February. We have a battle biz retreat. I have three spots left, and I'm looking for three entrepreneurs that want to shift the dynamic of what they're working on. I have some people in the room that are attending. I want to further what we're doing here. It's all about learning how to be up here, do your thing, tell your story create true business development for yourself. If you want to know more about that, come find out how I'm doing that, which then feeds back into ATL Vets and more of this. So if I can, one more time before we get a refill, round of applause for Justin for being up here. Thank Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.